Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Bald and Bonkers show. Join your hosts Christopher Mole and Dakota Franson as they take you on a wild ride through the world of the supernatural with a humorous twist that'll have you laughing and shaking in your boots at the same time. From ghosts to aliens to cryptids, no topic is off limits on this show. And the best part? You don't have to be a believer to join in on the fun. So grab a drink, kick back and tune in every weekend for new episodes. And if you want even more of the Bald and Bonkers experience, be sure to subscribe to our Patreon page for exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. Let's get weird. Oh, and for the whiners out there, viewer discretion is advised. There you go, you entitled pricks. Oh, well. I didn't realize we weren't live already. Okay. <laughs> no, I know. Like, yeah, that's why I was trying to like, go give, give like a countdown while, just before we went on, just so it didn't cut you off. But ladies and gentlemen, we are here today with Dan Willis, who was part of the 2001 press conference involving Dr. Stephen Greer in trying to push forward disclosure. And obviously, if you know Elena Dinan, she's been on our channel several times. She's helped me personally with a number yeah. of cases. You probably come across this gentleman. Welcome, Dan. Thank you for coming on. I highly expect tonight is going to be very interesting. Yeah, honored to join your show, Dakota and uh, Christopher. And um, hey, <laughs> what you talking about, Willis? I've been really looking forward to this. It's, it's a good job you came in a little bit earlier so that you could get un to understand my accent. <laughs> oh. I. <laughs> yeah, see, and it, it, if we're ever running late, there's one of two things going on, ladies and gentlemen. We're either having technical issues, which hasn't happened so much since we switched platforms, or it's the yeah. Scottish gift of gab. Look, I can't help it. I'm Scottish. I'm Scottish, and that's that's just yeah. the Scottishness coming out in me, you know. And I know sometimes I speak really quick. I mean, look, look, the last time we had Elena Denen on, before it, before the start of the show, she was crying. I was that funny. And that was that was epic, you know? Yeah, it did seem like she was really needing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, got a lot of Scottish in me, too, along with French and the rest yeah. of the uh, European yeah. mutt blood. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot of Scottish in the United States, you know? There really is. So, Dan... Thank you so much for coming on. I've been really looking forward to this because I've actually like, looked up a lot about what you talk about. And before the start of the show, you were talking about crystals. I found that fascinating because crystals, oh my God, I've I've spent a lot of money on crystals. Could you tell us a little bit about your background and a little bit about your crystals? Yes. Um you know, my, my journey started a long time ago. Uh, 1969, I had a uh, top secret uh, security clearance in naval communications, receiving uh, official secret classified reports of Navy ships reporting flying disks coming out of the ocean, shooting off into space thousands of miles per hour. You know, I going to, um, you know, chief of naval operations. I... Um, you know, I, I knew was aware the government was aware of these. Either we had alien bases on the bottom of our ocean, or we have uh, technology that uh, people aren't aware of. Uh, so you know, it started uh, 
my inquiry to, hey, there's something to this, you know, this is official uh, communications. Uh, so over the decades, you know, I've been researching, you know, doing things like traveling to Area 51, the first time meeting with Bob Lazar in 1993 and uh, recording it. And uh, um, I, uh, I became involved in this event behind me that uh, was over two decades ago in May 9th, 2001, National Press Club, which uh, Dr. Stephen Greer over here. Um, he, uh, what brought this about was uh, a legal constitutional government has been denied access for decades going back to the Eisenhower administration, which goes into a long history. And that's what brought about uh, him collecting from 1993 when he met with a CIA director who was denied access, James Woolsey. Uh, witnesses, which he collected from 1993 to the year 2001, over 500 military intelligence witnesses. I was the 100th videotape witness. 21 of them out of the 500 were willing to um, testify under oath before a congressional hearing. Each one of us stated after we gave our testimony that we're willing to testify under oath. You know, it's penalty of perjury, breaking national security oaths. We didn't have whistleblower protection back in 2001 like they do today. Um, myself being uh, a broadcast engineer and ABC newsman. So the place was the largest event in the history of the National Press Club. 22 cameras in the back row. The place was packed with reporters. I was well aware of the other witnesses and what they were disclosing. Um, you know, bases on the other side of the moon, 57 different species already categorized. Uh, uh, what happened when we went to the moon? The astronauts were sworn to secrecy. They're airbrushing the yeah. bows out. Uh, President CIA directors being denied access. We had zero point energy. We had faster than light craft developed back in the 1950s. You know, uh, explosive testimonies, which um, the um, mainstream media. Uh, I started my education of how they control the perceptions of the public back in 2001. And I saw how all the networks, they essentially made it sound like we wanted to have simply the a hearing, all these people willing to <laughs> break national security oaths, testify under oath before a congressional hearing, just for the reality of UFOs, right? Uh, totally omitting the element of illegal secret government operations. So, um, so, and, you know, since that time, um, you know, I've been interviewed on mainstream media outlets, you know, like CBS did an interview with me and I told them, look, I'm, I'm not going to do this interview with you guys unless I can say on the air and you guarantee me like, and Sky saw what CNN did that we have the scientists within these unacknowledged special access programs that can prove we have zero point energy. We don't need nuclear oil and coal for the last 70 years. Um, they promised the producer, she was almost in tears and said, I, I know I promised, but the higher executives <laughs> made me cut that part out. And uh, I found out who the higher executives are when a uh, media company out of Hollywood wanted me to write this article about the control of media being a witness and a newsman in the past uh, for the UFO ET issue. And I gladly accept it. 
the only way I could figure out how to wrap my head around this, you know, I was aware of all the witness testimonies, um, is to plug it into a chronological timeline of from the year 1900 to present day and start plugging in all these witness testimonies I was aware of over time and uh, authenticated classified documents. And then when you start looking yeah. at all this information and seeing how it corroborates with each other, it starts to paint the bigger picture of what high probability of what the hidden picture is you can't say you, you got the full picture because it's continually evolving yeah. right it's getting uh, larger but uh, i became aware of how we've been infiltrated we really didn't win the end of world war ii they heavily infiltrated they took over control they had a plan before the nazis is uh it's called Velkin Schauenskrieg, the worldview warfare. They plan to yeah, infiltrate into our mainstream media, into our intelligence agencies, aerospace, uh, pharmaceuticals, uh, Hollywood, you know, everything to create this matrix of perception that would control and indoctrinate over time. And uh, it's much easier to talk about this now, but, you know, you, you talked about this stuff uh, 20 years ago. And um, it yeah. keeps its own best secrecy because the truth is sounds like the most bizarre science fiction movie ever. Mm -hmm. You know, it inspired a you know a hacker in the UK, uh, Gary McKinnon, that's a right. Scotsman. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> who, yeah that's right. Yes. Who uh, you know found out about the truth about the secret uh, you know solar warden program of the Navy, yeah. and. Uh, it inspired my friend, Dr. Michael Sala, who uh, was a teaching professor at a major university who, interestingly enough, he had his class as an experiment, watched the, you know, the, um, the full two hours of the National Press Club, and his students yeah. didn't believe it. They, they thought it was they, people were making up stuff. So mm -hmm. it shows you the mentality, you know, back in the year 2001. Um, Today, people are starting to be a little bit more open because more things are getting exposed. Thank God, you know, through alternative media, it's expanded much more. They don't have as big a grip, although they are they're trying desperately to censor and control the oh, perceptions yes. as much as possible. Uh, so here we are today, and um, that's a little bit about my background. I mean, that's amazing. I mean, what's I see what you're saying about the censorship. I mean, I'm, I'm I was born in the eighties. I was born in nineteen eighty one. I could, and in the early nineties, when you would watch like UFO programs or think anything to do extraterrestrials, it was basically laughing stock. That's how the mainstream media was in those days. But now they are taking it a bit more serious, which is a good thing. But what I've found is, and this is quite interesting, that see, because I'm in the United Kingdom, I have to go and get all my stuff for the United States because look, the BBC here and any other UK network will not show it. They don't talk about it. Know that anything that gets green-lighted through BBC, New York Times, CNN, MSNBC, Washington Post, you know, any of the... Uh 
what is it, the uh, Telegraph over there in, in the UK, um, any of the mainstream media controlled outlets, of which there's many, <laughs> um, it, 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 there's an agenda. There's always an agenda behind it. Um, you know, they started, uh, you know, I, I've been researching for decades and what I find is, uh, and anybody that does, they'll hit one, oh my God, after another and realize that uh, they did effectively infiltrate in, you know, 1950 Operation Mockingbird with Alan Dulles and then uh, 1954 uh, after President Eisenhower had a meeting with the Galactic Federation of Worlds in February that year. And just May after that, uh, they started the Bilderberg meetings, which the Bilderbergs, along with the Council of Foreign Relation, control the six corporations that control everything you see in here. And they consolidated it. The CIA started meetings in uh, Sun Valley, Idaho, back in 1983, when there was 50 media corporations. And what they did was from 1983, every year they meet with all the media heads and the and today it's like all the uh, uh, social media, you know, Facebook, yeah. Twitter, you know, Google, all those people. And they consolidated it down to only six corporations down to, I think it was like 2003 or so they did that. So the CIA has worked closely with um, these corporations. And so it's much easier to control six corporations and 50, 50 companies, you can imagine. And uh, so, you know, billions of dollars go in the think tank that engineer our perceptions yeah. and yeah. work to give our consent that moves toward an agenda that is not necessarily in the interest of the people of the planet. Yeah. To quote, would you like to? Because I know you've got. The number of times I've been hearing you know, spots I usually frequent here in Idaho come up when it comes to especially the latest disclosure files, it blows my mind. And there's a long list of people I want to scream, I told you so too right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. But Dan, one thing I've kind of noticed, and when it comes to especially with everything getting released lately, I almost get the impression that a lot of those in control essentially just got lazy and that's why so much is able to start leaking through these days. What are your thoughts on that? They got, did you say lazy? Yeah. <laughs> they got um, overconfident and decided, you know what, they ain't going to go anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, nothing gets released unless it was planned. Hmm. Uh, everything is... Um, Everything is very, uh, very orchestrated. Like, say, in uh, 2017, when the New York Times released the, the Nimitz incident, you know, the Tic Tac, um, mm. all of a sudden, all of the mainstream media, all the outlets, even your grandmother knows about the Tic Tac, you know, it's like it saturates all the media. Um, but, you know, these Senate UFO UAP hearings that they're having, like the one in 2021, which my uh, one of my witness friends, uh, Mark, Mark McCandish, who uh, revealed the alien reproduction vehicles back in an exhibit in 1988 that was faster than light craft. It was built back in the 1950s. As Dr. Greer in the recent, recent uh, 2023 
uh, just recently, he revealed that uh, we have achieved anti-gravity by October 1954, which was two decades after Nazi Germany had developed anti-gravity back in 1934. Um, Mike Tuber, uh, U.S. Air Force intelligence specialist, came out publicly and revealed that the Tic Tac was actually U.S. technology. Um, then, one week before my dear friend Mark McCandish is suicided, they said he committed suicide. He was going to testify at the uh, Senate UFO uh, UAP hearing. Um, he, uh, Mike Tuber comes out and says, I made the whole thing up. There is nothing to it. It's like somebody came to his front door and said, look, you're going to retract that uh, testimony about the Tic Tac being U.S. technology or else. And so he came out and said, it was just a psychological study. I just made the whole thing up. Very suspicious, right? One week later, uh, Mark, who is going to reveal that we had this uh, advanced technology back in the 50s, testifying at the UFO UAP Senate hearing is uh, commit suicide. But what do the, both of these testimonies reveal? They reveal that... We, we have this technology. We've had it yes. for a long time. And these uh, intelligence specialists that are in charge of, of, uh, of this whole thing uh, at the UAP hearing, um, they, uh, they completely go along with the narrative that, oh, we don't know what this is. This, is, this could be a, be a threat. You know, it could be China. You know, this could yes. be a concern, you know, la, la, la. But uh, thank God to uh, one representative, Mr. Gallagher, he comes out and says, uh, well, uh, are you guys familiar with the Maelstrom Air Force Base incident? One of our witnesses, uh, Captain Robert Salas, was in charge of 10 nuclear-tipped ICBMs, and a red glowing UFO came overhead. The guards were up topside freaking out with their weapons drawn. And the UFO shuts down all 10 nuclear tips. I see because do, 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 you know, shuts yeah. them all down. And then he brought up the real hot potato. The real hot potato was the Admiral Wilson memo that got leaked. And I have a little story to tell on that if you want to hear. Oh, yes, please, of please. I, I'm just, I'm enjoying yeah. this. This is, this is brilliant. <laughs> well, in, in 1993, um, you know, I've been kind of researching off and on since 1969, you know, trying to understand why the extraterrestrials just don't come down and say, hey, we're here, you know, and why the government keeps saying, oh, we don't know what this is. This is just strange stuff, you know. <laughs> um, so I've been trying to research and find out. So I heard that uh, Robert Lazar was for the first time publicly going to um, speak to the public outside of Area 51, a little town called Rachel, just outside of the base. And so I traveled there, and about a dozen and a half researchers were hitting him nonstop with, with questions for two hours, and no recordings were allowed whatsoever. Um, I happened to have my camcorder on my lap and sitting in the front row, and um recorded the full two hours and it's up on the webmatrix.net on the 1993 uh timeline if you want to check it out um and his testimony has been consistent over the years now what happened was this the base freaked out the nellis air force base area 51 and 
they issued a security advisory, NRO, National Reconnaissance Office, security advisory, that they avoid these people or also be disciplinary actions, you know, against you. And on this list of this document uh, were unacknowledged special access programs like Cosmic Ops, Magi Ops that uh, Robert Lazar was working on in S4, yeah. reverse engineering. And so somehow Dr. Stephen Greer was able to acquire that document. And he went to the Pentagon to meet with the head of intelligence for the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Vice Admiral Thomas Wilson. He brought with him Commander Will Miller and Dr. Edgar Mitchell, the astronaut. And yeah. he tried to look into these unacknowledged special access programs. And the Admiral and his high constitutional authority was basically threatened to drop the matter immediately or he would see uh, lose rank and see an early retirement. So he was mad as hell and that's what brought about the 2001 National Press Club because he said, if you can get your people together that could testify under oath. Uh, now, um, there's another story about that. You have my permission to go to the media with this. Uh, this group is quote, unquote, illegal. Now, what Dr. Greer was mm -hmm. doing back in 1993 when I was meeting with Bob Lazar, he was meeting with the CIA director, James Woolsey. President Clinton had an interest in the UFO subject and tried to have the CIA director looked into it. And the CIA director is being denied access. And so, you know, he exhausted his military and intelligence channels. And so he brought in uh, Dr. Stephen Greer, who was the director for the Center for the Study of Extraterrestrial Intelligence, into a three-hour meeting where he brought a huge stack of documents substantiating the reality. And the words out of the CIA director's mouth is, you know, I know the subject's real. I'm trying to figure out why the hell I can't gain access to it. And so becoming aware of the gravity of the situation he met with some military advisors who advised them to start collecting witnesses you know military intelligence and corporate witnesses so from the year 1993 to the year 2001 he had collected over 500 military intelligence witnesses i was the 100th uh videotape witness that yeah. uh and i was one of the 21 that were willing to go before the mainstream media so that's what brought about the uh 2001 National Press Club event. Now, why, why did Admiral Wilson get denied access? Why did the CIA director, James Woolsey, get denied access? That's another story, uh, which we can go into if you wish. I, f I find it fascinating how there's this, there's this secret organization out there that's higher up than the government, higher up than the United States government higher up than the CIA, and I find it, I mean, I, I find it just, I'm blown away with how long these people have got away with so much, but their time's running out, I think. I think their time is running out. Yeah, if you're, you found out uh, that if you're not on the, it's called a bigot list, <laughs> if you're not on the bigot list, uh, it doesn't matter who you are, president, head of intelligence, uh, it, you're not accessed into this. And now how this came about is that uh, uh, the Nazi SS developed a base in Antarctica and they had an alliance with the Draco uh, that gave them advanced technology. This, uh, this violated the prime directive because they're not supposed to interfere with a, 
evolving civilization. Um, and so that's how Admiral Byrd was completely defeated in uh, Operation High Jump. Mm -hmm. They defeated all their aircraft and everything. They mm -hmm. sent down to destroy the Nazi base. Um, so what happened was um, uh, the original MJ-12 group that was headed by Admiral Roscoe Hillencotter was trying to warn about the dangers of secrecy surrounding the UFO issue. Uh, he was correct. Um, during Eisenhower, they set up a new executive order that created a new MJ-12 group, which put Alan Dulles, which was MJ-1, was infamous for the whole Nazi infiltration, bringing in thousands of Nazi spies into the CIA. Uh, and Operation Paperclip, you know, rewriting the paperwork, you know, for the Nazis and so forth. Um, what happened was in February 1954, when Eisenhower met with the Galactic Federation of Worlds, they wanted to give us, you know, amazing, uh, amazing things for our world, extend our life, help us with the spiritual development, but they didn't want to give us you know the technology until we evolved to a certain point uh they warned us about the nebu grays that were in orbit around our our planet that uh not to trust the not to trust them at all and so eisenhower signed an alliance with the galactic federation of worlds now alan dulles mj1 went behind eisenhower's back and he uh they wanted technology and the Nibu Grays, they were willing to give some technology in exchange for their hybrid program of abducting people. And so they went ahead and circumvented uh, Eisenhower and gave them underground bases like Delcy and so forth. And they reneged on their agreement that was supposed to only take so many people. They took millions of people it was uh their way of yes. infiltrating and taking over our planet uh which the prime directive had to have an amendment to to in order to address but they're no longer a concern as uh commander demethor of the galactic federation hacked the code and destroyed the queen which uh their hive mind all connects to and so they're no longer a threat um and so what happened in 1955, um, basically Eisenhower had to sign a surrender agreement with the, the Draco and the, the Nibu. And um, so what happened is uh, ever since that time, even Eisenhower himself, he wanted to look in what was going on at Area 51 and S4. And they denied him access. They said, sir, you do not have jurisdiction. <laughs> uh, this was thanks to um, uh, Rockefeller, who uh, helped restructure the whole thing. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, what happened was he, uh, he said, well, I'm going to come in with the first army, and I don't care what kind of secret program we're going to come in and we're, we're going to rip this thing apart you know and so <laughs> he wasn't kidding uh so they allowed two cia agents to give a report one of them was in his deathbed you know richard dolan interviewed him uh 
told the whole story of how it happened. So ever since Eisenhower, every single president, CIA director, well, you know, maybe George Bush Sr. got access, but they have not allowed access. And, you know, even Jimmy Carter, who had a UFO experience, made his campaign promise to re release the UFO files, but he was denied access by George Bush Sr. Uh, our legal mm -hmm. counsel, Daniel Sheehan, yes. gave testimony of that. So that's been the situation since 1955, is that uh, our government has been infiltrated and eisenhower in 1961 when he did his farewell address on television he stated you know only to take nothing for granted that only an alert knowledgeable citizenry could protect our future liberties and freedoms and beware of the misplaced powers and unwarranted influences in the military industrial complex because the nazis had infiltrated the military industrial yeah. com complex um and so we have the world today. <laughs> cool. No, that's not honestly something I want to ask uh, Robert Kennedy Jr., who is someone we have actually discussed about coming on a show. One of his campaign promises is is to release all the UFO files. I saw that. Yeah, that's something I personally want to ask him. Is like, do if anybody's going to know what happens to people that start digging too far, it's going to be you. <laughs> half the reason why we want you on the show but what are you going to do when you're denied access because clearly there is a power struggle I mean, i've seen bits and pieces of it myself what is going to be your plan to make sure you and the american people are going to be safe throughout all of it well um none of this is going to come out until the deep state is whatever title you want to give them. They're an organized structure that uh, there's interconnections between, you know, what we're called Nazis, the Vatican, the secret societies, okay. um, you know, the MJ-12 operations, which may have new a new title nowadays, you know, that oversee this whole thing. Um, you know, technology is not going to get released uh the invention secrecy act 1951 um thousands you know over six thousand at least uh inventions having to do with uh yeah. anti-gravity free energy medical breakthroughs have all been suppressed i had 10 years experience with this and witness firsthand, you know, suicides, murders, national security orders being issued, uh, met with scientists all over the planet. Um, and I basically gave up there. They got too much of a control on, on the issue of, uh, you know, power generation. Um, so until, until we can clean house, the good news is that, um, Let's see, uh, Greg Braden had uh, uh, John Peterson of the Arlington Institute on his uh, channel mm -hmm. talking. Uh, he's uh, part of the Arlington Institute, which is a U.S. Navy uh, Washington-based think tank. That He got three independent sources that, you know, basically corroborate 100% with what Elena disclosed, and that is that 
the uh, regressive extraterrestrials have been removed from our solar system back in 2021. So these ET overlords, the dark ones, <laughs> uh, of their minions no longer have their higher echelon. You know, Christopher, you were talking about the higher level. You know, that yes. was the higher level, uh, which is no longer available to them. And so they're like... Uh, kind of panicking and they're getting exposed left and right um and so we're watching this theater play out um i believe that the plan that thorhan gave to uh general van herk is this brilliant genius plan that uh is going to roll out that the deep state's not going they can't they can't stop it see See where once once whoever they are that's left, the puppets that are left that's controlling us all. See once they are gone, how long do you think it'll take before a new age on this earth begins, a new technology age starts when where we can get rid of like fossil burning fuels, where we can we can start traveling among the stars oh, alongside yeah. the other races. Yeah, and the met and the you know Elena's seen the med beds inside the uh, moon, yeah. which is you know not, not our moon. It's a hollow spaceship <laughs> that's yeah. filled with these you know huge amount of med beds that are this holographic technology. That yeah. I uh, actually worked with holographic technology back in the 1980s when I worked with Dr. Marcel Vogel on a camera device that was built in. Uh, 1950s in England that could holographically project the energy of someone um, just using a drop of blood and could take a photograph and then move forwards and backwards in the time. Uh, and so this was patent and thousands of photographs were taken. Yeah. So, you know, it was not something made up. Uh, and this is how Alex Collier describes what the Andromedas, interestingly, call a camera, where it holographically takes a photo of you and goes all the way back to your conception. And they can take out uh, slides of time. And when everything was optimal, you know, they can overlay that on you and age reverse you. And that's how they use the technology wow. for the secret space program for the 20 and back type of situations where they can you know, time and age reverse a person back. But as far as your question goes about the timing on all this, when's this all going to happen? Yeah. <laughs> um, that's a question everybody asks. Um, and you have to consider that this is in dynamic flux and it's continually uh, being updated and changed and everything like that. And so anybody that gives a date, you know, I wouldn't trust uh, because it is in that dynamic flux. But um, uh, for I understand that we're going to start seeing more of their ships this year. Uh, so that's going to start the acclimation of the public to start asking questions and start coming into the realization after, you know, decades of false indoctrination that uh, you're not a lunatic into seeing flying saucers. Um, and, uh, you know, one thing, one thing leads to another. I would say um, more people are becoming educated on the world that they've been born into and the perception matrix that they have 
been indoctrinated into to believe. And, uh, you know, like I always used to say back, you know, 20 years ago, uh, you know, it keeps its own best secrecy because it just sounds so, um, you know, incredible that, you know, here we have the Nazis with reptilians and you've got the, uh, the Nordics in order to have balance, the Galactic Federation of Worlds always works toward balance. Um, and so they worked with the uh, U.S. Navy, which developed the Solar Warden program, which launched back in the 1980s. Yeah. And uh, these people start to have total recall after they, you know, they, they take them and they serve 20 years in space. Um, uh, tour of duty and then they age and time reverse them back to their point of enlistment and erase their memory as if nothing ever happened right and then they start living their life and as 20 years goes by they start to have total recall and from 1980 to 2000s 20 years and the first secret space program witness that started to have memory recall was uh uh michael ralph worked with the navy on mars and then you've had tony rodriguez on your show and others that mm. uh have had this experience that uh there's so many of them uh that's, my friend john charles and others that's fascinating how they're how they're actually doing that so, so they're, they're getting aged back again to their kind of younger self and then their white memories are getting totally white and then they're going to live a normal life and and they're obviously starting to remember things that they did yeah yeah they start that's, to that's remember their uh, service in space and uh, that must be a you know i'm i'm not a 20 and backer <laughs> uh but uh i don't uh at least i don't, they did a good job on the memory wipe as they did um yeah it's interesting um in communicating with Jen Hannah Redion, um, we, we were having a discussion, and uh, he said, "You don't want another Atlantis, you know. You were there." <laughs> and I said, uh, "I said I don't remember anything about my past life, you know, in Atlantis." And he yeah. says, "You have the technology to be able to look at the, you know, my past life." And he says, "Yes, we do." And he said, well, you were a scientist uh, taking care of a large crystal. And my specialty was uh, holographic medicine, which is interesting because that's, that's a huge interest of mine. My uh, great-grandfather was the uh, president of the Homeopathic Medical Society back in the 20s when Rockefeller was trying to squash all of the uh, natural medicine, homeopathy, and so forth. And so he was up against that. So I kind of have it in my DNA to... Uh, uh, feel this ambivalence toward the corrupt medical system that uh, oh, yeah. was oh, yeah. doing yeah. evil things. And I you have to think that's... about 1946 is when they brought in all the Nazis into the CDC. Yeah, yeah. I was just a bit to say. I was just a bit to say that. Yeah, yeah. And the fluoride and fluoride in the water system that was developed. Oh yeah, yeah. To keep everybody stupid, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, we don't want we don't want intelligent people asking a lot of questions and uh, researching things. And just just watch television and don't question. <laughs> cool. Uh, I, I was say this is 
honestly mind-blowing yeah. to say the least but to kind of draw back to dr greer and some of his connections with rockefeller what are your thoughts on dr greer's work in general i've experimented a lot with ce5 and managed to develop my own frequencies which some people in the audience have been part of those experiments and have had various results with it a lot of people seem cautious because they don't know exactly what the frequencies Dr. Greer tried to promote in order to est help establish contact are. So what are your thoughts on it? Frequencies, you said? Yeah, like from the CE5 app. Oh, you mean, uh, oh, oh, the CE5 app. Yeah, I've done uh, maybe five, you know, before 2001, I did a, a, a CE5 and Joshua Tree with Dr. Greer. And I, I asked him because I heard of a number of incidences where people had not the nicest experience with the reptilian. Um, and I asked, I said, what, what about the reptilians? Because he always would say, you know, all the extraterrestrials are benevolent. There are no, it's, you know, bad ETs. It's all this, you know, here on Earth. And uh, he said, oh, oh, the reptilians are sweet. You know, so... You know, I I kind of went, yeah. Um, and so my my research, you know, really started going in depth after 2001. Um, and I noticed that uh, Dr. Greer's, um, yeah, I'm familiar with some of those sounds and stuff on the CE5. Uh, you know, they're as far as I'm concerned, they're harmless. That uh, was something I'm not aware of. I got exposed to them a number of times. Um, that uh, in the 2023 recent, um, th where he had like six witnesses, I think, that uh, some were talking about, you know, anti-gravity crap, bringing down, you know, human trafficking, drugs and weapons exchanges, you know, yeah. with these guys with no, no name tags or rank or, you know, what service. Uh, these operations have been going on since, uh, you know, the Vatican gave all the Nazis uh, passports and the rat lines. They started these drug operations, you know, Zapata Oil Company with Bush Sr. who was helped working with the CIA with all this. And, uh, you know, when I was in Vietnam, uh, a captain friend of mine saw the, the drugs being airlifted back and forth so this whole drug operation drugs human trafficking weapon sales oh, yeah. big big money makers and so they use these these uh you know black methods of uh of, of generating income uh but you know back to dr greer um yeah. i you know it, it it it's the one thing i have uh you know, I, you know, he had his life threatened not to go before the mainstream media in 2001. Uh, courageously, he did. And I commend him for all the work that he's been doing and bringing awareness and stuff like that. The only thing I have an issue with is this um, narrative that uh, there is no uh, regressive extraterrestrials in our galaxy. Um, this... Uh, there's evidence that shows otherwise. He believes that uh, anyone who's had like a, a bad ET experience has actually had yeah. a, a memory, a screen memory implant, but not all of them, maybe some. They do have that technology. Uh, 
you know, I know he does these uh, CE5s. Um, if you yeah. were to have like something that comes down and wants to eat you, um, people you probably wouldn't be able to have very many people show up. But uh, but I, I think it's it, there's a, something else beyond that. I find it interesting that the only other element I can find that says that all the extraterrestrials are benevolent and only life on earth is uh is is a issue is the uh the the company in rome you know the religious institute with the letter v um so um but you know you just wonder you know if they were to have you know my purely speculation here on my part but if you were to um if if they if the inevitable contact with benevolent races and extraterrestrial was to come to earth the religious institutions um would you know a lot would get exposed and they would want to maintain power and control as they always have as uh you know authenticated top secret mj12 reports have revealed that the um the the v company (laughs) had wanted to have containment of the extraterrestrial issue this is going back in the end of the early 50s working with Mm -hmm. the government to keep the public from becoming aware and uh, they were afraid that mass sightings would be uh revealed so uh me i'm it's it's kind of a hard one to wrap my mind around trying to figure out because if we were to have contact i don't think they would uh, be able to maintain their uh, their control status that they have. Oh, no. So no, I'm not sure exactly why he he's a very intelligent person, and I'm sure he's been exposed to other information. But to to say that um, there are no regressive extraterrestrials, uh, there's so much evidence that's contrary to that. Yeah. Of course, there's, of course there's thank god we don't have to worry about it because they're all gone since 2021 so i just want to say yeah. that yeah <laughs> <laughs> don't worry the probes ain't coming <laughs> oh they're pissed you know the, the nebus the, the queen is dead Oh, you know, so we don't have to worry about the nebus anymore but the draco you know it's interesting that uh Office of Naval Intelligence was working with uh, uh, Leslie Stevens, with Gene Roddenberry to give the Star Trek script, which gave the prime directive, which Dr. Uh, Michael Sala found that it was almost the exact same that Thorhan gave. In other words, it was from the Galactic Federation of Worlds, and all these concepts of warp drives and teleportation, all this stuff was to seed our consciousness about this for to be able to accept this type of these concepts in our future reality and um so yeah it's um the uh it's like the 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 badass um you know klingons or basically the uh draco reptilians and the the board with the i find draco is very interesting yeah, the, the 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 queen, the the, the Borg, they would simulate, they would simulate. That's what basically the Nebu Greys were. So they had these these representative in the uh, science fiction, but um, 
yeah um it's um it's going to be interesting because uh, you know they're they're the the reptilians are, are pissed but we have not only the galactic federation of worlds on our side but we also have the intergalactic confederation which has 500 motherships each one have thousands of yes. ships inside mm-hmm. of it sitting behind oh, yeah. jupiter and then we have the anunnaki the uh the Inu, uh, the uh, one that was playing uh, Yahweh in the Bible and stuff like that, the, the, the evil extraterrestrial is playing God. Uh, he's no more. Elena was actually at the trial. It was taken care of. He's out of the business. So Prince Ia, or Inky, uh, yes. is now able to give us our original DNA code, which is being in, enabled in the med beds in the moon. And so we have the Anunnaki supporting us, the Intergalactic Confederation. We got the Galactic Federation of Worlds. And on top of it, uh, Elena just met with the Nigumak, which are these really scary looking beings. Oh, yeah. That, uh, <laughs> that's interesting. The deep state through Hollywood tried to make them as the bad aliens that, you know, um, in, in uh, Independence they, Day that said, I want not- you to die, you know. <laughs> are they are they not highly sophisticated? Are they not are they not I, I'm sure I read something somewhere that they're they're highly sophisticated. Their their technology is meant to be amazing. Uh, one more time, Christopher. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> they, I got the next to the amazing. I <laughs> the Right, <laughs> right. I'll try and say this simply. The the aliens that were shown in Independence Day are I know that they're real. Are they not meant to be highly advanced? They're one of the most advanced species in the galaxy. I've heard I've Oh heard yeah, they're they're that. highly advanced and they're 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 scary, but they're kind and they're intelligent and they're um and they've been given the prime directive, and they like it. They like it. It's 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 a good plan. It's a it's a nice moral base. Thank God there's something like that out there. Uh, and they're considering uh, joining, and they're the nemesis of the of the, of the reptilians of the Draco, and uh, the, the the Dracos are scared to death of them. So uh, they joined. Uh, already we have a. Uh, in uh we're uh what's the word it's like um an invincible force right now to protect earth uh so so we're we're in good shape they just have to clean house uh because uh, they're not here like elena said many times they're not here to save us they're here to assist us in saving ourselves and so one of the first things is we have to do is to um, thank God for you know shows like yours and others that help awaken the public to this bizarre science fiction reality <laughs> reality that's been hidden it. from uh, from all of us that uh, we need to understand it. But more people are waking up all the time. They see the deep state uh, fumbling because they're panicking. It's like a like a desperate animal into a corner that is going to start making stupid moves and um, revealing itself more and more because it has to operate in secrecy because if people see what it is because the media, they focus on 
creating division amongst us through, you know, race, spirituality, political, yes. you know, you name it, uh, to keep us fighting amongst ourselves and, and opposed to ourselves where we don't see the true enemy of the people, which is the uh, infiltration of our information systems by the enemy. Okay. No, it's very true. And honestly, with what's coming, people are not going to believe it <laughs> with what's coming. I, I honestly am dumbfounded, Chris. I'm, 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 this is one of the amazing shows. I, this is what I love is getting a really good guest like you, Dan, coming on. And I'm trying to speak really slow. No, so don't. Not, not a problem, mate. <laughs> <laughs> can, can you tell us a little bit about the crystals that you use? Because I found that fascinating. About... Can you tell us a little bit about your crystals and how you use crystals in your field? Uh, use crystals, were you saying? Yes, yes. Can you tell? Oh, crystals. Tell uh, a more of, yeah, yeah. Uh, these things. Yeah. That's it. That's it. <laughs> well, um, you can change the outcome of the planetary timeline using a crystal in your consciousness. We're all each a fractal source, so therefore we create. And if you can, um, I recommend uh, you go to marcelvogel.org. I have a link to a, a company. We have, I have zero financial interest in any of this stuff. Um, but they have instructed the cutters to follow the specifications that Jen Hanaredian has given on how to cut the crystal in respect to the hexagonal core of the crystal, which um, opens up this uh, uh, wormhole singularity, you could say, within the crystal that when you squeeze it, it uh, this piezoelectric effect allows it to um, open up this, this gateway through through your consciousness and through breath mm -hmm. into uh the planetary matrix and so uh elena and i did a did a show with 1700 people live and we i did a positive visualization and of the future and what happened was um when everyone pulsed their breath and used whatever they had you know people you know sometimes have you know natural crystals like that but if you have a um, you know a vogel type of crystal you have this uh, as jen Han calls it it's like a surgical tool that works yes. into uh into into time and space that allows it to uh, modify the holographic matrix and so uh, we had everybody pulse, and they had a somebody recorded the a spike on the Schumann resonance we hit, mm -hmm. because all of our brain waves are all connected um, to the planetary. They actually, you know, Dr. Schumann, who um, discovered this Earth ionospheric cavity, they if you plot it, it looks almost identical to a human brain wave. And that uh, there is a reciprocal relationship between all the minds that are on the planet and the Earth's uh, Schumann resonance. And so when you're operating in gamma, which is the higher frequency going up to 40 hertz, mm -hmm. um, it 
it causes a, a spike. And so uh, it was minor. But, you know, we just did a show yesterday, Elena and I, and it was our first class on choosing a crystal. And so we directed, <clears throat> you can get these, uh, uh, we call them the Vogel Redion cut, you know, in honor of Marcel Vogel, who was a pioneer on it, but with the extra specifications that uh, Jen Hannah Redion has given on how to cut the crystal. And it's like under 150 bucks, you can get... Uh, which is very affordable compared to yes. if you look at what the cost of a Vogel crystal is, you know, it's, a, it's mm -hmm. quite expensive. So, okay, you're, you know, they almost, I think they sold out, <laughs> but they're getting more in. Uh, but if everybody has one of these and they do this procedure, um, it might have uh, quite an effect on the planetary timeline. So, you, you know, you wonder what you can do sitting at home, right? <laughs> you have, uh, all the the enemy has uh, the power of the control of the media they've got mm -hmm. the military and they have all these weapons and everything but you know people can be at home with a crystal and change the planetary timeline with uh, with love and if you use love what it has is this transcending capability to go into the higher densities and the higher densities form the lower densities and so that's what creates reality and it's one thing they've been very afraid of that we become aware of in fact in 1957 professor heinz eisnick of university of london uh wrote a paper talking about you know hundreds of universities uh, all taking out about the powers of human consciousness to affect reality because they didn't want us to know about that you know the nazis are very much into the occult and understand, oh, yes. um, understand, you know, the powers of, of consciousness and, and ways to, uh, and, and they're tied in deeply with the secret societies, which, you know, go yes. back to uh, the times of Akhenaten and the ancient mystery schools mm -hmm. of Egypt. Would, would anybody in the chat like to ask a couple questions? Oh, I love like questions. A... Yes, yes. Bring them on. Questions. <laughs> Come on, guys, in the chat, ask, ask Dan some questions. Here's your opportunity. Besides Chris's brother, who's clearly here to be. Christopher, by the way, I love your accent. So. Aye, it's, it's, Aye. I, I know. It's, Reminds me of Scotty on Star Trek, you know. Aye. Aye, we can't take no more, oh, oh, Captain. Oh, the act of oh, oh, The Elysium crystals are overloading. Yes. <laughs> Don't say Scotty. That's Elena's nickname for him. Hi, Elena. Elena calls me Scotty. Oh, oh gosh, yeah. Is that what's this? Is that one there? Come on, guys. Is MD in the chat want to ask a question? This is your opportunity. Type, type, type. I am a sucker for crystals, and I want to buy one of those now. Mm-hmm. That's next on my shopping list. I'm going to get two. <laughs> I know it was. I've never been on this uh, this uh, Steam Labs uh, platform before. Uh, it's working well, it seems. Yes, what? we had to move from StreamYard because every time we did a live about maybe this subject, it just went haywire and it wouldn't, it wouldn't let us speak. Ah, here's one. 
from oh. Rene Moss. How oh, yeah, he has it on the Iridian Crystal. Yeah. Uh, go to marcelvogel.org. It's a site I did in his honor. And um, on the index list, you'll see there's a, there's a link down there. And, and a company is dealing with the um, uh, with the Vogel Iridion type of cut. They don't say Iridion, but they instruct your cutters to uh, respect the hexagonal cord, which uh, Jen Han says is very important in order to... Uh, to be able to get the effect and and stay tuned to our classes with elena and i we're going to be doing a whole series on um expanding upon the research work of dr marcel vogel and the knowledge that's thousands ahead thousands of years in advance of our understanding from uh, jen han already on yes thank you i'm going to uh -huh. definitely check that out definitely make sure you get it on the screen for the platforms that don't see the chat for some reason, the chat on my streamlabs isn't working for some weird reason, Dakota. I don't know why. Are you sure it's not it's operator error? I know, no, no, no. It's just like froze. <laughs> it's it's that it's froze for me. But I, I've got my what would you call it? My phone on. So, mm. Um, I think there's a question why in the chat there. Um, Let's see, Gerard asks, was there a global shift in frequency early last week that might have affected sensitive? No, no, no. no. Uh, they contacted the company in Russia that does that. One of their oscillators went off, and what you saw when the weird stuff on the Schumann resonance was a um, right. like a parasitic oscillation that was yeah, going was off. So you know, it, was it, was a, it was a malfunction. Yeah. So, Dots ask, Dan, have you ever tried remote viewing? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, my my wife Rebecca and I were we did it a couple of times with Doctor Greer. We're very good at it. <laughs> we beat we beat everybody. Um, so um, yeah, yeah. I don't do it very often. All right. Let's see. What else we got? Let's see. Here's one. Leba asks, "Do you believe that spheres are a great shape for quartz crystals?" Well, the sphere is uh, multi-resonant to everything. Uh, the sphere represents um, all the harmonics of all the geometries in the universe. Um, and, um, and therefore, it, uh, that's why they use you know, crystal balls you know, for scrying, where um, the, uh, the energy is all focused into the center because there's one point in a sphere, which is in the center where all the external surfaces focus into. And so, yeah, a sphere is, uh, is a good shape. It all depends on the function that you wish to do with a crystal. Um, but a sphere is a good shape. There's another one there, Dakota. A Helena B, I think. Yeah. Haley, this is not a dumb question. I'll, I'll, I'm just going to say that right now. She was worried about sounding dumb, but Dan, is there a certain meditation you know of that is effective for altering the frequency slash timelines of the planet if one doesn't have a vocal crystal? Well, this is a very good question because it's important to, and Jen Han continually, continually confirms this in our, our exchanges that it's, you know, the crystal is a tool. Um, and it's us that do that does it. 
our consciousness does it. So the um, quartz and water are both interdimensional bridges. So if you don't have um, a quartz crystal and take a glass of water, visualize the most benevolent timeline, see it as it already is, visualize it into the water, pulse it with your breath, and then drink the water. Um, that's, it's one way to do it if you don't have a crystal or just visualize, uh, or just see, see, see that timeline. Remember they need to, um, they need to use fear in order to keep us, uh, from, and what the fear does is it feeds the reality that we don't want. <laughs> and so when you realize that you're a creative being and you can direct the, the forces of, uh, of creativity into the direction you wish by seeing that reality, um, you know, it's a great power they don't uh, wish you to know. Mm. Any more questions, Dakota? Uh, I was trying to see. We had one that was asking about your accent, but I already answered. Yeah, it. I just messaged him in the back. I just messaged. I messaged. <laughs> messaged yeah. I, it's it's quite difficult for me because I try and speak clearly, but when when I when I get excited about something, I I just spurt it out. And Dakota, it's, it's taken him a year. He can understand me when I speak really, really quickly, but I have to remember that other people can't understand me. Oh, I can't tell the style. Why? <laughs> I, you know them. I, I'll just cuddle them, Scott. If it's everybody, lo everybody loves the accent, but can't understand the damn thing that comes out of I his know. mouth. <laughs> I know. Yeah, no, I know. You're, you're doing great, Christopher. Just, just don't don't do a high speed run, or else <laughs> you'll lose <laughs> you'll you'll lose us. <laughs> Oh, we have sound effects with Streamlabs now, so if he got, starts going too fast, I can hit him with an air. Ah, you can. <laughs> there's actually another. There's a uh, Dan. Can you talk about? Can you see that one there? Yeah, give me some more questions. Yeah. More questions. More questions. Come on, Come up. Talk about the amendment to the Prime Directive. Uh, yes, uh, basically, uh, the Nibu Greys were. Uh, you know they can't they couldn't violate the prime directive directly and so what they were doing was abducting women and impregnating them and taking the babies and doing for these underground hybrid programs which they plan to take over our planet through, through hybrids and through the emotional bond of the mother and the anyway it's a big complicated thing but that's no longer a concern but um um the amendment was made so that they can't do that sneaky little uh, workaround anymore. Uh, I could I could read the exact. Uh, if you go to elenadenan.org uh, and click on the Prime Directive, you can see. I think it's the. Um, anyway, you'll you'll see it's on the list and it talks about how they uh, this new amendment that won't allow those sneaky little bastards to do, try to do that again. Definitely check it out, guys. <laughs> I'm going to click on that now and save that, actually. But they're no longer a concern, so uh, wow. all is good. <laughs> you, do you not think that they might try and come back one day? Oh, uh, well, no. The, the Galactic Federation of Worlds, they're overseeing them because once the, the Hive Queen... And Orion was uh, 
because they were able to hack the I mean, commander Demethor was able to, if they they were in stasis and if they became awake and aware the queen would mm -hmm. terminate them immediately but he, they were able to keep them in stasis and figure out the code it's incredible he saved the galaxy <laughs> commander Demethor um and uh, sent a virus back to the queen and destroyed the queen. So now all these greys, which was a huge, the Nibu Empire was massive. All these greys all operated from this hive queen. And now yeah. the queen's no more, so they have to go back to their own planetary matrix. And so the Galactic Federation of Worlds is overseeing all these greys and making sure they all behave and <laughs> and move in a, in a in a good direction. So it's all being taken care of and, and overseen. So I have to worry about them. The uh, only threat, if you can call it that, which is no longer really, is the uh, Sakaar Empire, which is, has a massive empire across the galaxy that they, you know, have come in and enslaved planets and done what they've done to our planet. Um, but we have, uh, we have some very, very good help here today. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to the day that I see them land and show themselves so that we can actually meet them. Yeah, they'll probably have the attractive, you know, sexy, good-looking guys and girls come first, you know, and then, uh, and then, uh, and then you know, they'll probably the more different-looking ones uh, ease yeah. it on, so that uh, you know we can acclimate to all the variety. I mean, mm -hmm. you can you can imagine, you know, we've only got a little bit of variety on this planet that. Uh, uh, it looks different, you know, Chinese, black people, Indian people, Asian people, you know, wh that's, whatever. That's that's something that I've always wondered, how like, the Federation look at us, because on this planet, we don't like other races terrible. We're, we're always fighting with different races. I mean, what's what's going to happen when they show up and there's purple ones and blue ones and green ones and yeah, it, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, there's uh, see, they have this uh, perspective that we're all from source. We're all a fractal yeah. of source. So we're we're all equal, no matter what we look like. You know, if we've got you know twelve eyes and antenna coming out of us or whatever. Whatever we look like. There isn't racism, <laughs> you know, in the Galactic Federation of Worlds. Everybody is uh considered an equal. And um and Earth will the media is uh is the culprit of feed they, they like to feed this division and there really isn't uh you know I I don't have any issue with black people or Asian people or any other race, you know, they're all, you know, uh, I have a issue with, uh, you know, people who are a-holes, you know, that, but that comes in all colors and shapes and sizes, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I would, I would just like to say this has been one of our most best shows I think we've ever done. And I would like to thank Easily. you so much, Dan, for coming on this show. And I would also like to thank the new subscribers 
for subscribing tonight and the new people in the chat. Thank you so much. Now, I do want to thank you for coming on, Dan. This has definitely been quite an eye-opener for so much that's honestly going on. And you know, like you said, I honestly can't wait till they show up, you know, they're probably going to send down the sexy ones, but unfortunately, in my case, I got ex. <laughs> unfortunately, oh. as quite a few people in the chat know enough about uh. my story, I got to figure out how to explain to my family why the aliens on the spaceships coming down look an awful lot like me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have quite an interesting background. I was been watching you know, some of your interviews in the past, uh, not very much, but uh, just a little bit to get a flavor of uh you know who you are and and who am i going to be talking to today and um you know it's it, it, it's an honor being on your show and that um you know i only do these shows and i i'm i'm not I, this is probably this is the last show i'm going to do other than you know working with elena on the crystal classes uh for some time uh i only do it just because it just if you know, it's like preaching to the choir, you know, as they say, you know, when you do shows yes. like this, you know, because people who are open minded are who are researching already something triggered them to start to inquire, to try to understand what's going on in the world. And they look at the alternative media to try to get more insights. And uh, it's my my only interest is to help, you know, uh, seed seed that little inquiry so that uh once you start that the crack in the dam starts to crack and get bigger and bigger until it comes to a flood and you're saying oh my god you know it's like this is all real and it's uh been going on for a long time and uh the more of us become awake the more of us will become awake because it works that way and the uh yes you know the fractal collective mind that we're all a part of and so that that's that's why i do these shows and uh, and uh, thank you both for your service and uh bringing this uh information out to the public and uh oh we'll, we'll do it again sometime possibly thank uh, you very much Dan. <laughs> and uh we'll say this i do look forward to meeting you at jessic in october Oh, you're going. Excellent. Yes. Yeah. Like, I just bought my tickets, so I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah, I got to get my tickets, too. I'm running behind. so, And I'm going to be bringing two teams of scientists with me that will demonstrate the frill generator in front of the... Uh, mm. God, it was like a 1,000 people last time. It's probably going to be even more this time. So mm. um, it, it's, it's going to be pretty, uh, pretty incredible. Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of interested to see what happens because there's... Elena's validated that yes, I have worked with Thorhan in the past, but I also know that a couple of the kids that Thorhan and I rescued during the abduction rescues are also going to be in attendance. So I'm going to be interested to see what happens with that. <laughs> well, I, I hear uh, you know some of the uh, members of the Galactic Federation of Worlds are actually in the audience, and uh, so you know it should be interesting. Oh, cool. yeah, definitely will. Right. Thank you, everybody, for coming tonight, and hopefully, you can understand me. <laughs> Slowly, I am the new. <laughs> You're doing great, Christopher. 
AI is starting to catch up with you, Chris, so people will be all right. It's, it's fine. It's fine. AI will probably melt down. Catch you later. Much love, y'all. So much. See you next time. Thanks for tuning into the Bald and Bonkers show. If you enjoyed the show and want to show your support, head over to our website at baldandbonkers.net. There, you'll find our merch, services, and more. Thanks for being part of the Bald and Bonkers family, and we'll see you on the next episode. And remember, always keep an open mind and an open heart. You never know what may happen tomorrow. Go on. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Bald and Bonkers show. Join your hosts, Christopher Mole and Dakota Franson, as they take you on a wild ride through the world of the supernatural, with a humorous twist that'll have you laughing and shaking in your boots at the same time. From ghosts to aliens to cryptids, no topic is off limits on this show. And the best part? You don't have to be a believer to join in on the fun. So grab a drink, kick back, and tune in every weekend for new episodes. And if you want even more of the Bald and Bonkers experience, be sure to subscribe to our Patreon page for exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. Let's get weird. Oh, and for the whiners out there, viewer discretion is advised. There you go, you entitled pricks. I didn't think you were going to keep that for the new software. Oh, well, I, I didn't have time to come up with a new intro, so figure why not? <laughs> Honestly, so ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show tonight. We are joined by the man himself, Neil Story. How Hello, you, Neil? good evening. <laughs> I, I, I think, really don't you know whether I should be here because I, I, I'm not bald. I'm trying. There's a, there's a solar panel at the back <laughs> of my head. But I'm not bald yet, and I'm working on being bonkers. So I, I just hope I'll, I'll be admitted. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, consider worry, yourself you, lucky at your age. You still have hair. I'm not even 30, and I already I got bald. Uh, it, it's I, distinguished. I'm, I'm liking it. <laughs> but, but Dakota, you've got no eyebrows, people. and Chris has got quite big eyebrows. So what's going on here? I have eyebrows. I They're just very blonde. <laughs> Yeah, I should, yeah, yeah. I should have them glued like that. I could cut them. Whoa, that's like that. that's grey alien, Chris. I'm like it. Should we all do that? Oh, look that's at that. Really, oh. I'm like yeah, it. Yeah, that's a little suspicious there, Chris. If you ever wanted wow. to look like a grey alien, actually, or wondered what you look like bald, if you're a guy, look in the back. Or oh, maybe it works for girls too. Look on the back of a tablespoon that's really mm. shiny. And you, you'll either look like a grey alien or Pete Townsend from The Who. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, Try oh, it. That's, that's <laughs> it's the dream. You know, I love, then, I love it. When you've you done that, <laughs> you tell your friend to look in the spoon and say, do you think you look like Pete Townsend? And when they're looking, you give them a good old tock on the forehead with it. That's winning. <laughs> Oh my god. Uh, oh, that's, yeah, uh, that's I, parental I discretion. I mean, I'm not telling people to do that because that could cause injuries. I mean, I'm saying don't yeah. do that, kids. But you know, I've I've done it, I've got away with it, but the world was a different place. You know, so I'm gonna try that. Right. I'm gonna try that to my, my, my friends. Yeah, I have not advised that. that. No, I'm, 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 I'm like a safety <laughs> film that says don't do that. 
yeah a bit like the safety film that says if you are a serious ghost hunter don't wear white trousers Because that just leads to a very disappointing. <laughs> what do you think, Neil? What do you think, Neil? I, I got the minute production for the old Blue Squad channel. Do you like them? What do you think? Well, that's White great. Hats. I think that counts. You actually get it on, you know. Yeah, yeah. I'll get that, you one. That's great. One. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm not going to make I, any comment about that, but uh, yeah, you know, I, 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 I'll say it's positive comment. I just don't yeah. suit visor hats. I, I just people stop me and give me yeah. money or, or want to buy me a drink when Do I'm buying a hat. Push your, push a hat your, like that. Like, I'm not trying to pop a drink here, like a coffee or something. I look, I, I look like I'm some sort of dispossessed person in a visor hat. Huh? I don't know why. Hey, what, what kind of hat do you wear? Neil? Do you me? Wear? I, I, I like oh. a trilby. I've got a, a variety yeah. of nice big and small Peaky Blinder caps. I've got one. Um, I've got I've got one. A bowler Victor hat. Hats, that's what I call them. I've got, I've got I've got a new bowler hat for my Victorian events. Top hats. I've got top hats. Oh yeah. So mm, yeah, 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 yeah I, I quite yeah. like like my hats. You know, a beret occasionally. So, so Neil, I'm very about... proud to wear a tamashanta as well, Boogie. Oh. Hey, I've got a town with a big offensive pom pom on the side, oh, which just oh, waits for somebody to take the rip. Yeah, uh, you know, you know, there's got to be other Americans watch this and they'll be like, "What are they two talking about, Tamash and the hearts?" We need to get the one that to covers both. <laughs> you know. So, Neil. <laughs> I've been really looking. I've been. Dakota came out to say. I've been really looking forward to this really because don't. obviously you've got your new book coming out next year. When about is it coming out next year? Well, there's no fixed date. I think it's going to be around about September, mm-hmm. and we're going to. It's going to be. I mean, there have been books on similar sort of similar lines over the yeah. years, but not for a few years. And it's going to look at. A kind of social history, really, of UFOs yeah. in Great Britain, and I know that there've been a detailed series produced. Uh, or uh, they describe that as a social history of UFOs. Well, it is, but I want to produce yeah. one easy volume that, if you're just starting into the subject, like like we used to have when we were we were all, we all had to start somewhere, and I hope yeah. that in, yeah. in teenage years, I want to encourage that. So it's not to put anybody's book down. It's not to copy anybody's book. It's to simply say, look, here's a book on a history of UFOs, one volume, one price, and it just gives you that taster that hopefully will lead people to want to know more about, yes, Rendlesham will be in there, but other sightings, abductions, Mm -hmm. and we'll chart the history of UFOs in the UK. I mean, you can find them. I think there's evidence of strange things in the sky going back hundreds of years. Oh, yeah. You know? But I'm really going to take it from the early years of the 20th century, more or less up to the present day. I can't wait till it comes up. I'm looking forward to it. It'll definitely be interesting, especially with everything going on in the world right now. Yeah. Well, that's actually a good question. What's your opinion on that, Neil? Well, I... 
what what what's been going on has actually made me a very very happy man mm. when i saw what what had happened with, with the pentagon release what they call the tic tac yeah. now the tic tac mm. i've seen one this happened yeah. in the 1990s and i was there with, with a with a former partner up on a norfolk where i live in norfolk in england is very flat not completely flat but it's flat very flat but we're on yeah. some high ground not far from a place called Haysborough, where there's a beautiful uh, white and red lighthouse we're about four or five miles from Haysborough, so we can kind of see that in the distance and we can see the landscape around it really lovely summer's evening sun going down having a couple of burgers looking out across the landscape come on it's great mm. fun yeah mm. sort of leaning on the old bonnet of the car mm. you know the sort of thing and from behind where we were sitting looking out across the view something out of the corner of the eye whoosh it was white it was traveling at speed and it in in the evening light when it's that's like evening gloom yeah. that you get that kind of the light was powerful enough to light up the top of the car the roof of the car we watched it really? whoosh, going right over woof and it went over to where i should think about a mile away there were a line still are a line of fir trees and this white light that was not a sphere it was it's not quite like a tic tac that kind of a sphere elongated but not quite long enough to be a true true tic tac shape and this thing went from side to side above this row of trees and i thought what on earth is that? I mean, we we both, there's two of us looking at it. There's, there's no one around because sometimes there's dog walkers yeah. and whatnot around the area. No one around, really. What on earth is that? And I said, do you know, if there's a an aircraft, I think they were Jaguars at the time, that were based at yeah. RAF Coltishaw. I said, if one of them comes flying over, they're going to be intercepting that. Because, <laughs> And I'd hardly said that, that whoosh. And I'm no expert on aircraft. One of the fighter yeah. aircraft from the local airbase came screaming over the top and it went towards the tic tac shape. The tic tac shape kept moving from side to side, and then the aircraft moved to the side to the opposite direction. The tic tac went up that way and, uh, and 90 degrees and whoosh off it went at an incredible speed. And I know, I know that I wasn't the only person to see this because we thought, are we going crazy? Is it some sort of marker, maybe some sort of drone that the, the aircraft was using mm -hmm. to zone in on, you know, to, to attack? We thought, what, what on earth is it? And it turned out that other people in the city of Norwich had seen these lights later at night. Now, Norwich is about 15 miles from where we were in North Walsham. Uh and people were seen they were filmed in those days it was a video so the, yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't sort of the idea of get, everybody thinks you just put a camera up and film in those days that was a that fantasy if you wanted to film something you had to see it long enough to be able to load up a video cassette and mm -hmm. put the darn thing up <clears throat> but there was footage of it going over the city of norwich and the official answer at that time was that it was a there's uh, a place called Lincolnshire for those who aren't based in England at the minute. Uh, Norfolk sticks out on the side of Britain, on the right hand side, and, and 
as you'll mm -hmm. see, it kind of sticks out like a big bump. And then it goes into the wash. And up from the wash is Lincolnshire. And they said that this structure, which is a tall church tower called Boston Stump, that the light, some sort of light had reflected off that. And that's what was being caught on camera. And people are seeing. It was an insult to people's intelligence. Yeah. You can look it up. You'll see that you'll see as mention of it. But now they've had the disclosure that's come out from the MOD files in recent years. It's cleared that up that, yeah, that was the story that was put out there to just answer this unexplained sight in the sky. That's very interesting. I, I think I've heard about that case. I've, I think I've heard about that case. I've got a book there and it's all like sightings all yeah. over the UK. Yeah. And mm. I think I've heard about that. I, I mean, how could they say it was a reflection and people I, seen it I, flying through the. I, I know, mean, I know. And it's a very similar time period. Now, I always forget which one saw it, but Philip or Ronald Kinsella, maybe even both of them, saw something very similar. In a, in, in a similar time period over Great Britain. Uh, Philip and Ronnie have done incredible work uh, researching the, the, the sort of hidden files and the hidden stories yeah. of UFOs in the uh. UK. I normally respect those two gentlemen, and I, I'm very grateful that people that have had an awful lot more years... Uh, I, I'm a historian. I do history. That's what I do. Uh, and I've got a great interest in the paranormal. Always have. Uh, I will admit, I'm. I've always had an interest in UFOs, but I'm fairly new yeah. to it. But I, what I come, what I come with is a, a kind of historian's eye to tell this story yeah. based on the authentic reports over the years. Yes. You know, yeah. I, I'm, I haven't got an agenda. Uh, I want to just chart these stories in the words of, in the way I would approach a military yes. history. Uh, yeah. or, or, or ghostly history, is that I, I want to quote the people who were there. That's what I want to try and do. Mm. Oh, there he's back again. I thought you'd been abducted there, Baileyans there. I thought you were getting beamed up. <laughs> no, nothing that exciting yet. <laughs> I, I, I'll tell you what is very odd in the area where I grew up. When I was growing up as a lad in North Norfolk, there, there is and was a tragedy. And, and as a kid, you kind of grew up with this story of a young girl who went to ride from her home, just, you know, 10 minute, 15 minute ride on a bicycle to go and see her married sister. This girl was in yeah. her early teens. Mm -hmm. Her name was April Fab. And mm. she was going to see her sister in the next village and she disappeared. Yes. I, I remember you bringing that one up last time we you had know, you on. And, and that, I mean, I, I fear after all these years, we we fear the worst. But with so many people disappearing every year, I think it's worth considering. Where are these folks going? See, it, it's, mm. it's quite interesting you say that, Neil. It was actually, what was it, last week we did the show in the UFOs, uh, Dakota, I actually brought up, it was a strange report. For a couple, of, I think it was about 2013 or something. There was mountaineers up in a mountain, yeah, and I think it was near the Austria. Himalayas or something like that. It was Austria, Austria. sorry, Austria. Yeah. And the helicopters kind of get to this because it's 
too high, right? And they were right at the very top of the peak and they came across a body, which is not unusual because there's a lot of people die when they're doing mountaineering. Except this mm. guy was in a full business suit with his leather yeah. shoes. You're absolutely right. And and this is very similar to an instance that occurred, you know, you you can hear similar in the 1970s. In the 1980s, there was a case in Todmorden where there was a, a, a police officer out on, you know, regular patrols in an area. He gets called to a coal yard where he'd passed. He would have spotted something very unusual on yeah. there. Uh-huh. And and this yeah. elderly man is a, a former miner. I believe his name was Mr. Adamski, which is ironic because in the years before that, there was the uh, Adamski case. He was one of the first people to claim to have been uh, taken have uh, taken on a spacecraft, the Adamski spacecraft, mm-hmm. which is a little, I have to admit, I'm a little sceptical about that. But who knows? It, it did get people thinking. Uh, and wondering at a time it, when it, it was quite important to try and develop those those thoughts. But this, in the true story at Todmorden, Mr. Adamski is found. He's he's got acid burns or, or some strange yes. burns mm. on his head, and the body just turns up on the top of a mm. coal heap where it would have been noticed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So I, I actually. Yeah, I, I I seen this case. I actually seen something about it. Actually, it was on TV and the night watchman. The night watchman checked the area and there was nothing there. But when they came back in the morning, it was on top of the coal heap. That there was no way they could have got in. But it, it's like the guy on right. top of the mountain. How did that guy get up on top of that mountain with a full business suit on in the winter time? Absolutely mm-hmm. right. Yeah, there's a case over here. I believe it was about in the seventies and eighties. I was talking talking with a, an abduction hypnotist. I can't talk right now. My goodness. <laughs> a, an abduction hypnotist, basically, she does regression therapies. She was telling she was actually wanting to talk to me about situations I've got going on, but she was telling me about this one case where I was, I believe it was towards the East Coast, where three young boys all of a sudden disappeared from their backyard. Now, Mom go gets worried, starts looking around. People on the street get worried. A few hours later, the boys are found in the neighbor's pool. That's sealed yeah. shut. Gate locked up. Na- that particular neighbor was out of town on vacation, had no idea what was going on. And they're like, how the heck did those kids get in there? Because yeah, the pool had a cover, didn't it? The pool actually had a cover yeah. over it. It was... It was completely covered, no signs of anything being messed with. It's just like they just popped right it's in the crazy, isn't it? Have I told yeah. you about the, the I mean, what, what I've tried to do is force back the story. Did I tell you about the Zeppelin scares of 1909? Have we nope. ever talked about I that? I don't believe we have. Well, in America, you will know that in the American West, there are stories of strange airships being seen mm-hmm. in the 1890s. Yes. And that's certainly some of the earliest modern airships that I've ever heard of. To put this story into some perspective, in 1909, that was the first time anybody flew over the channel. His name was Louis Blériot. So that's the channel between France and Great Britain. In the months before that happened, 
it was I think it was March 1909. There was a PC Kettle, police constable Kettle, on patrol on his beat, a beat that he knew well in Peterborough. Now that's part of the eastern counties, okay, Peterborough. It's a cathedral city. It's it's got lots of rows of terraced houses. You know, very typical. It's now a city. It was a big, big town in its day. A PC kettle's on patrol. He hears a sound. He thinks it's a motor car. It's the early hours of a new day, really. Dawn's just about starting, so there's some light. He walks around the corner onto Cromwell Road. And he looks around and expecting to see a car, and there's nothing there. Now, remember, even in 1909, motor cars were still quite unusual. Not everybody had one. Well, they were around, but yeah. he can't see it. So he thinks, well, if I can't see it, where's that sound coming from? And he looks up. And above him, he described it as if you put your hands like that and you stretch them up above you. Mm-hmm. It was that wide. <clears throat> so it's going to be one, two hundred feet. Oh, yeah. Across at least, right. yeah. So it's, th- it's over a thousand feet up in the air. This thing, and it's a a long, dark, cylindrical object with a light on one end, and it's traveling at quite some speed across Peterborough, and it flies out of sight. This is a considerable, and he can hear. There's some sort of sound of an engine, a whir of an engine. It's a big object and it's gone at speed now zeppelins are not known for traveling at speed and this thing zooms (laughs) over now he reports it to his sergeant his sergeant said oh i didn't see it lad you know what's going on and they they wonder what what is it so it it was put into the local press and it's the kind of peterborough citizen which is very much the local paper of the day but other newspapers pick up on it and it becomes quite yeah. a story all across Britain as newspapers quote the Peterborough citizen. And it causes a bit of a scare because people don't know what it is. Now, what is intriguing is, is that when I was writing my book on the first Zeppelin air raids on Great Britain, and in fact, I charted every single Zeppelin air raid in, mm-hmm. in the book for the anniversary back in 2015. I got in touch with Bundesarchive in in Germany. I got in touch with uh, American Archives, Library of Congress as well. A friend of mine went through the public access uh, military files as well, which, uh, you know, it was a good search through to try and find uh, debriefs, memoirs, any accounts of German Zeppelin aircrew that flew over Great Britain before World War One. I could not yeah. find one single account. Not one. You'd think that they'd be proud. Oh, we, we went over there before. Not one. Not one. And I could assure you of that. That's in, in official records, memoirs, the whole lot. So what happened? Well, the Peterborough Citizen newspaper, in the following week, when it all really kicked off, issued a, a, a kind of a retraction. A spokesman has said, doesn't name the spokesman. Yeah. Uh, it's assumed to have come from the police. Uh, a spokesman, spokesman said uh, that PC Kettle is mistaken. That what in fact he saw was a kite with a Chinese lantern attached to it flying above the area where he believes he saw this airship. 
And the noise, the whirring sound, was actually the Cooperative Society Bakery around the corner. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So this kind of dismissal, there's nothing new to it. Interestingly, in 1909, it's the same year that the the Secret Intelligence Service had its kind of foundation in Great Britain. And that certainly smacks to me of of a fledgling organisation that really didn't progress an awful lot further by the 1940s or 50s. And what is intriguing is that in May 1909, uh, there were lots of sightings across East Anglia. But once we get to June and July, there were further afield sightings of these scare ships or mystery airships. Mm -hmm. One of the last is spotted over the Tyne in Northumberland, in the north of Britain. And it's seen it. There's a place called Tyne Dock. This is kind of the mouth of the Tyne. Tyne Dock. And they looked across and and it's over this area called the Slade, which was due Mm -hmm. to be a uh, they were considering it as a naval base and they were quite concerned yeah. that this object came over Tyne Dock. It then flew over this open area of the Slade in the dock and it, a light mm-hmm. was shone down. Now, the lighting capabilities of airships, they often spoke of them having searchlights, but they had illuminating uh, flares that came on, on uh, little parachutes. They didn't have heavy searchlights. And yeah. this thing seemed to switch on and switch off. And this themed it, the, the, the words that were used by those who witnessed it, which included a man who was a stevedore. He, he was a master stevedore with all of his men loading a, a, a cargo on a ship at that time. He later became, he was a councillor. He later became the, the mayor of Tynemouth. So, you know, he's yeah. a public official. He, he's a respected figure. And he said, yes, I saw it. He saw it. And the word he used, it darted around the sky. And then went out to sea. In the rebuttal of that, in the following week, they didn't try and say it was a a balloon or a kite. They said, oh, oh, no, 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 no. Mm -hmm. It's it's actually uh, an airship. It's experimental and it's in development on the time. When you start digging into that, there was no manufacturer anywhere on the River Tyne making dirigibles, airships or anything in experimental form or anything in 1909 but Mm -hmm. the story is issued and that was it it's dropped move on i find it very interesting because i can't remember if i've seen this but i was it was actually it was in america and it was i think it was in the 1890s and there was sightings of what looked like a zeppelin but it wasn't a zeppelin it was more like a a cigar-shaped ufo yes because I, I suppose, because obviously a cigar mm. looks like a Zeppelin, if you really think about it. Yes. And I honestly think, I think they're extraterrestrial, and I think they were watching us then, and I think they've been watching us all this time. What's your thoughts, Dakota, on this? Um, they've been easily watching us. Oh, yeah. it, there's no doubt something's clearly been happening for a very long yeah. time, and I've said this example before. The damn wall is starting to burst uh, when it yeah. comes to secrecy, and either it's come from laziness or it's just from too much is starting to pile out all at once. Within, I will fully believe within the next couple of years, we're going to be seeing something big. 
it wouldn't surprise yeah. me at all. The early reason for this these rebuttals, and you can see it because after the sightings of 1909, and there were subsequent sightings mm -hmm. as well, right up until 1914, the year the First World War broke out, there were sightings before. Yeah. What after 1909, there was a move actually under the leadership of Winston Churchill, and he you know, known for World War Two and Britain's, mm -hmm. you know, darkest hour, finest hour speeches. He brought about something called the Air Navigation Act. And what that did was it simply said, if you, we've got an illegal aircraft flying over Great Britain, it infringes our laws. And if it's not got, you know, if it's not got permission to be there, we can shoot it down. Mm -hmm. We didn't have the capability to shoot a lot down yeah. at that time. No, no. But it We're still doing. <laughs> it established that <laughs> law, but amongst that, and that one of the reasons for why they wanted to deal with any threat from the air, and at this time, we shouldn't forget that H.G. Wells, the master, the yeah, modern master yeah, yeah. of science fiction, wrote a book called "War in the Air." make no it's i mean yeah. and there was even an, a very early black and white film some people argue it's one of the very first and i i don't disagree with them one of the very first science fiction films of an aerial invasion force that looked very that much like i'm going to look that up yeah if you look it up the, the footage is it's the old film is out there it's a bit clunky it's a silent yeah, really. you know but it is it's intriguing and and his book is you know far better than the film and he was warning people of the dangers of, and and in in later years, of course, he wrote the shape of things to come. H.G. Wells was a true seer of of oh, the yeah. future. But with all of this in mind, why the Air Navigation Act? Why these concerns? Why are they putting it down? It was the argument always was panic. They've worried since then. You know, if you've got in the early nineteenth, late eighteenth, early nineteenth century, you've got revolution revolution in yeah. france you had a revolution in america right up you know think of 1812 yeah. the war of 1812 to the british mm -hmm. that is it's 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 there's revolutions going on and it's around the world we've got an empire the great british empire yes. supposedly uh to mm -hmm. defend and there are rebellions all the time so you, that's a danger you've got to keep down britain had its own yeah. problems in the 1880s, with unemployment and people taking to the streets, the, the red flag is flying. Karl Marx wrote some of his earliest works when he was in London. Okay. His daughter, Eleanor, is one of the speakers at the Match Girl strike, okay. you know, the dock strikes. She's one of the, so mm -hmm. there's real motivation. So with that backdrop, if there's anything that could cause panic on the street, they want to squash it. And that's yeah. really where that all began. That they are the legacies of the 19th century that we're still suffering today. That they, the authorities—I'll use you know—use the term they, yeah. those in power, the authorities. I, I, and I, I quite mean, agree with them. You don't. Nobody wants panic on the street because it is a very been. dangerous thing. Uh -huh. People I can get been. hurt through nothing. I mean. It I, I go to remember in the what is it the 1900s and that we had the Indian Empire we had Australia we had all these places and look at Great Britain now it's not really great anymore it's you know it's kind of it's just a wee island now we used to we used to have everything but 
it's quite interesting you talk about the zeppelins because still to this day there's like zeppelin like ufos being seen oh there and are you see the, the uh, big light coming down i actually done a thing with the school years ago obviously because i'm quite old now but and it was about the zeppelins and it was about the the german zeppelins that we used and they, they did have searchlights but they were diabolical they were yeah. like candle lit gas lit yeah light yeah. things and they were rubbish and they would fire flares out that's they, right I, and that wouldn't cause that wouldn't be bright enough it wouldn't be bright enough well you can't easily and, switch them on on and off you can't shine yeah. a beam down no. And if you think about instances like at Rendlesham, now that's 1980. Yeah. There are yeah. beams coming down. Now, if you think about a controlled beam of light, that's quite something yeah. to achieve, isn't it? You know, even in yeah. the 1980s, a mm -hmm. in the 1980s, a maglite beam of light was something that would have been very, 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 very new. And if you want to try and get a maglite in a small object, that's yeah. under some sort of intelligent control, you know, this kind of powerful beam of light. It's it's technology that we can take for granted now mm -hmm. that was pretty new back then. The, the, the Renderson Forest incident always intrigued me. It's always intrigued me. But I find it very interesting why a lot of military bases around the world are getting targeted, you know. And, and, and it always has been. Yeah, back in, in World War II, are. yeah. Once you Even start to dig, you will find these people... stories. Uh, yeah. There's one in particular local to where I am at the moment in Northumberland. It's a place called Creswell Bay, uh, which is near New Biggin. It's right up on the. If you think of Great Britain, it's just down from Scotland on on the coast. And there was a sentry on duty there. Now Creswell Bay had a radar station. It was top secret, so if any enemy aircraft came near them they weren't to fire at it because it would give away a position and then the enemy aircraft could note that and come yeah. back gun them more bombers so the idea of having sentries was really to patrol the perimeter in case there were intruders that was the idea yeah but this fella saw something in the sky between the clouds one night dark night during world war ii he was a sentry on duty. What do you do? Well, I can't fire at it. And then suddenly the thing's bearing down on him at such a great speed. The man thinks, is it going to crash into me? What's going to happen to me? I, he was terrified. He found himself rooted to the spot. He dropped his rifle, mm -hmm. which can be a chargeable offence. And before yeah. he knew it, he was no longer on the, he collapsed to the ground, no longer on the ground. Where am I now? And he has a sensation and he of traveling and he kind of opens his eyes and he's looking down through a glass panel and he's traveling across the sea of Creswell Bay. There are entities near him. I can't say whether they read tees or not. I, I don't know. He didn't know. Very, very honest account of it. He did. He didn't know what on earth was going on. And then he seen it as if it was a short while later that his consciousness came back as he felt that he was coming back to ground. Yeah. And he woke up a short distance from where he dropped his rifle and where he initially collapsed to the ground. See, I find, Neil, I find that very interesting what you said about the radar station. 
because it was actually Dr. Stephen Greer, actually, he put out a, it was a, a public statement the other, the other day, it was like three hours long, and he had a guest come on to actually talk about how they've been using radar. I think you know about this, Dakota. They, they, how they've been using radar to bring a little green friends down. That's how they've been bringing them down. They've been using the radar. There's a something in radar that disrupts their, their flying, which is interesting. Wow. Mm. Well, what's in, what is intriguing? I, I'll add a little spin on that one then. And I don't know the answer to this. But I will tell you that in my book, I'm trying to follow through accounts of what they used to call. And this is not my words. These are how it was described during World War Two. It was described as a death ray. Now, this is no joke. If you dig, you will start to find it in the yeah. press. Now, number one, it could be that it was propaganda. And that propaganda mm -hmm. from the Germans and the British enlarged on this idea that we've we've got a secret weapon it's a death ray and if you fly over we can shine it up like a searchlight yeah. and it will bring down your aircraft but that said there are numerous accounts from pilots from navigators from aircrew in british bombers over uh, this would be over France and, and, mm -hmm. and, and occupied France and over Germany who saw bombers just fall out of the air for no reason. Yeah. Now, and that's why they feared that a death ray had been somehow developed. Now, we've, we've got to remember as well, if a, if a, if a bomber gets shot up, it could yeah. be shrapnel in the engines. It, it could, but I think they had an idea of what an aircraft would look like if there was a shrapnel strike or okay. if there was an anti-aircraft fire strike. They'd often mm -hmm. turn into a ball of fire. Yeah. But for an aircraft to suddenly drop like a like a lead weight, that caused the those seeing it to consider that that looks different to what they yeah. were used to seeing uh, in air. these are men that have you know in some cases have many many hours experience of aerial mm -hmm. combat you know yeah. these are not green uh, flyers these are they know what things look like up there their lives depend yeah. on what they see up there and they mm -hmm. were seeing aircraft on occasion just dropping it but they I mean, they did talk of gremlins. Have I told you about this before? Oh, no. Gremlins? Tell. Oh, please tell us about that. I kid you not. You see, and this came from the British Royal Air Force. You all have heard of Foo Fighters. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. These are the lights. Well, gremlins were kind of our equivalent of that, that these would be things that they believed jinxed British aircraft. Now, again, it could be that things had been, you, everything had to be mass produced and created very, oh, very yeah. quickly in wartime, sometimes using suppliers that were not experienced manufacturers of aircraft parts. Yes. But then sometimes things would happen to control panels. Things would, I mean, we'd never had so many technological aircraft in the air at the same time. You know, oh, yeah. one thing that war does is bring on technology. Mm hmm. 
And we'd mm-hmm. never had I mean, anything quite like it. The speeds that are involved, enemy aircraft getting over here. But it also means that people on the ground, the Royal Observer Car, are, are constantly, they've got their eyes peeled. Remember, this is the first time that we've ever seen rockets fired over Great Britain. Naturally, Remember yeah. that. You know, the V2 is a rocket. Yep. The V1 is a is a doodle bug. I mean, that's a more or less a, uh, uh, it's a pilotless it. aircraft that's filled with fuel yeah. that will come mm-hmm. and crash yeah. and blow up. But a V2 is a mm-hmm. rocket. But this is before mm-hmm. they, they were known. Uh, there, there's all sorts of stuff flying around. Anyway, if your aircraft goes wrong, you've done all of the checks that are necessary on it. They'd blame the gremlins. If you've got strange a strange light following you, it's a gremlin. If you've got something on your wing, and sometimes these guys, it could be the altitude. I mean, there are all sorts. There are all sorts of arguments for and against. But were there little green men? It's crazy. What's happening? We don't know. But what we do know is there were more than one cartoonist that created these gremlins. Yeah, and 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 drew them, and, and they've got mm-hmm. little pointy ears, and they look like they're quite intriguing little creatures. But the one that should have been far more famous than it ever became, it was Raoul Dahl. Now, if you heard of Raoul Dahl, he's the man that wrote oh, yeah. the BFC, BFG, the big That's friendly right. giant, James, James uh, yeah. and the giant peach, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. All mm-hmm. these incredible stories. Well, he was a fighter pilot. And he'd had an accident, mm-hmm. been shot down, I believe. And while he was in hospital, a lot of these ideas, he, he scribbled them in his notepad. Yep. But he also wrote the story of the gremlins. And from he people he'd talked to, and of course yeah. he's got his incredible imagination. So guess who got interested? Walt Disney. And he wanted to create a film all about the gremlins. I didn't know that's that's fascinating. Check it out. Look look yeah. it and you will see them. Gremlins sat on the cloud on the pilot's wings. It was it was in variety in magazines UK and US. You'll find them there. Now, of course, these have developed into little cartoon characters by this time. Mm-hmm. They're in a story, but I think Dahl didn't want it to kind of get the big Walt Disney treatment in the end. In the end, he felt this is a story from his comrades. It was different, it, so it didn't emerge as a as a Disney feature or, or little cartoon characters. And of course, many many years later, completely different. Gremlins is a is is the was it Spielberg did yeah. the, did the yep. film Gremlins yeah. that we'll remember when we were kids. But wind yeah. the clock back to World War Two, and you'll see there's like an annual book, you know, uh, and it's simply called Gremlins. That's fascinating. Huh. Good, isn't it? I Once did not did, know that you'd be a ama- and I can assure you if if listeners are looking now, just look online, Roald Dahl Gremlins, and you'll see it's a red cover, it's got a fighter aircraft on the front, you'll see them all there. So there's quite a history of unusual things being seen in the air, not just in America, not just around the world, but in Great Britain too. I find that interesting. Dakota, I guess I can. You're good. I, I'm not. I'm, I'm just surprised with that, man. I, I, this is brand new information for me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, out there is, is there actually 
out there to quote him, is there actually wee green creatures that could represent the kind of gremlins? See, this is this is this is really interesting. This because it's when I go to the subject that I watch a lot of stuff today with history and stuff like that, and it's, it's like it's like a, it's like a thing I like today, and. I was actually watching the, the, the German, the World War II German Luftwaffe pilots that were getting interviewed, and this is going that they're dead now, I think. Well, they will be. And how they were talking about these sea strange lights, and the two Luftwaffe pilots chased after the lights. And they went over the English Channel, and they had to turn around because obviously they, they, they kept going. They would have ended up in our the UK. Yes. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I believe uh, they also... The, the German pilots believed that we had a death ray too. Yes. <laughs> because they saw aircraft fall out of the sky for no reason whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, if you could do the Nazi side of things, you could go down the Nazi bell because Hitler had like secret programs going on. Oh, the Glocken. After. Yeah, there, there's... Uh-huh. But it was it a Star Wars program, the like of which we saw only a few years ago? It was the big bluff. Is it a Hitler fantasy, yeah. a Himmler-involved yes. uh, fantasy, or is there more to it? There are certainly sites around the place that, oh, Lord knows. Oh, I, the, the Nazis were definitely dabbling. Were they to developing a nuclear reactor? Uh, the evidence appears to be there. I'm I'm no yeah. great expert on that. On that, I don't pretend to be. But when you look around some of the occupied countries in Europe, uh, and what's going on there with some some of the scientific people, and, and the, the sheer size. Yeah. If you watch shows like Abandoned Engineering, the, the scale of this is, is quite remarkable. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Nazis, they say they were making, like, obviously, that they had water and stuff like that, and they were that's obviously the, the famous film where they, where they have to blow up the boat, carrying yeah. the water. Oh, what's Absolutely. the name of that film? That's got annoying me now. That's... Uh, and, they sink the ferry and, and it's carrying the cargo also that stuff to make the, the nuclear stuff. But you got to remember too that Hitler was desperate again. He was getting beat. Yeah, I mean it was only a matter of time before his little empire came crashing down. Oh, and the Japanese were holding uh-huh. on, just holding on. They, the only reason they survived really a wee bit longer is because they had an island. Yeah, you know I mean, yeah, and Germany was landlocked, uh-huh. so. But if you swing this round a little bit, kind of to where we started, remember we talked about the tic-tac and why I was so pleased that, that, you know, it's been recognised as a phenomenon. It's something that I've seen and pilots have seen recently, Mm -hmm. but it was being seen in World War II. And this is what really intrigues me, that I've found reports up here, north of Britain, we've got the Tyne, Mm -hmm. the River Tyne was a major shipbuilding area the oh, only yeah. bigger shipbuilding area in great britain was the clyde in scotland i mean yeah. this is huge I'm only eight miles from there you've got it so this is this is yeah. where they were building battleships they are building yeah. merchant vessels they are building small craft they're doing you know it's massive so they've got to protect yeah. this area so what they're doing mm-hmm. is they've got a few air bases but what they've got are these big barrage balloons so they look, if you've, if you've yeah. ever seen a barrage balloon, it looks kind of like a really huge teardrop shape yeah. with ears on the back of it, like a stylized mm-hmm. image of a bomb or a squashed mm-hmm. up Zeppelin, but more squishy. They're not mm-hmm. rigid. It's a gas bag. 
and the and yes. the idea is it floats up so if you fly into it you will blow up yeah if you try and shoot it it will blow up and it might well take you with it if you're that close mm -hmm. to it and also it's suspended or held onto in the air not by string not by rope but what by a wire rope now this is a if you think how a rope is made, it's made from multiple strands. Yeah. Well, these uh -huh. are wire ropes that are made from multiple strands of metal. And they, they are tested to, they're about, you know, a yeah. good thickness like that. You know? So if yeah. they are up there, these are strong. If an aircraft flies into it, it'll take your wing off. Down you go. It might. Yeah. I feel. I've heard stories for London during the Blitz and stuff yeah, yeah. like that. The, the German bombers came too close and it actually went right through the wing. It just ripped the bit of the wing off and they went spinning it between crash. Right. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's what they were designed. Like the cheese well, cutters, the basically that's what they were called, yeah. Here, on the time, it, it's unusual because around this area, the barrage, they, they wanted a lot of the male air crew to be at the kind of sharp end of things. So they put women onto the barrage i mean that's pretty tough if you've got bombs yeah. and stuff and aircraft going on but they mm -hmm. put members of the women's auxiliary air force they were part of what they call balloon command and balloon yes. command is part of the anti-aircraft scheme and that they, they will be the operators of the barrage balloons so they've got a, a lorry there with a winding device at the back mm -hmm. so the enemy aircraft are coming okay sirens going off they get a clax and they run and off they go, and so the barrage balloons lift up, and they're let up by these wire ropes. Mm -hmm. There are accounts of an object. It's it's white. It, it seems to glow. It, they described it the size of an Austin ten. It's uh, just yeah. what would I compare that? Bigger than a mini. If you have minis uh, in, around the world, you know it's a bit bigger than a mini. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. And the thing was seen. They 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 worried because they thought it's an aircraft coming down. You know, you've got lots of yeah. anti-aircraft fire going on. There's, there's, mm -hmm. there's, you know, aircraft dropping bombs. You know, you've got to be really careful. Lots of danger going on. Lots in the air. And these things are diving through. You think they're coming towards you. And you think it's going to get caught on the wire. And it doesn't. The thing goes straight mm -hmm. through the wire. And the wire comes clattering down. There's still one wire or several wires attached to the barrage balloon, yeah. but the barrage balloon then kind of goes, and it's just on one wire, and you've got to get it down. Uh, what was it? They don't know. That, they examined the wire, and it's it's melted through, like a oh. blowtorch has touched it, but it's gone wow. through like that. That's, yeah, it's that's very interesting. It was yeah. fully it was reported. Speed. Photographs were yeah. sent. Men, men from the the ministry came out, and that in, not just the air ministry, but the tech support guys came out, and they 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 couldn't answer it. They just thought, but the answer the girls were given was that oh, oh well, these are just girls. They're mistaken. It must be anti aircraft fire because on the coast now the coast mm -hmm. is paint, pointing out to sea. This Actually, they're yeah. not firing into the Tyne area. But the, oh, it, 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 they were blaming these um, what, what what were known as yeah. un, un, unrotated projectile yeah. ro rockets. Uh, we had an anti-aircraft rocket, but they they've pointed out to sea, and they're not pointed over the time, because if they come down, they can they can destroy factories or people's homes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the inference was, well, it's top yeah. secret. We can't tell you. We suspect it's a stray rocket. I mean, 
for something to do that to that kind of steel rope, I mean, that's <laughs> that's you, even if I, I, let's just take a measure smart, right? Like a measure smart flies into that day and like as fast as speed, it wouldn't melt it. The plane would probably just explode. Yeah, it would chew right. it. It would just explode. It would fry it. It would yeah. chew it. Yeah. Or, or or even if it incredibly, it would cut it through, and it would yeah. kind of it would fray and splay. It, yeah. To see a rope that's just it's just it's just like someone's got a blowtorch, but at quite some speed gone through it, so it's sealed, it's melted. It's incredible. It's, it's it's definitely intriguing. It, it makes you wonder why whoever they are, whoever's piloting these things, right? Push, push your opinion, Neil, right? Well, obviously, with all the, the stuff that's getting released in it, who do you think they are? Do you, do you think they're maybe... Why, do you think they're watching us for some reason? Well, why does anybody watch? I mean, we, we, mm. we're aware now, and I think, or the yeah. public at least are aware, that there are Chinese drones or, or Oriental drones of different sort oh, yeah. that, that have been found over America. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm fairly sure that similar things that have been at an altitude that is a bit too high for satellites yeah. or a bit too low for satellites, a bit too high for fighters, it's disposable. You know, it's it's under yeah. no control. So how are you going to detect it? People have always wanted to know what are the neighbours up to? And anybody that's no. got a fence, if you've got a fence, you know, I wouldn't picket fence you're going to tell me you've never looked at what your neighbours are up to? You hear a funny noise next door? You hear the dog barking? You never looked? Yeah? Well, I don't yeah. believe you. No, yeah? Yeah. My neighbours, I well, had to screaming like that. But... <laughs> you know what I'm saying, though? You have yeah. a look. Yeah. And, it, and it might be that yeah. you, you care about your neighbour. Well, you know, we care about our neighbours, hopefully, and get on. Mm. But countries... Uh, by the nature of security, are quite rightly in some ways paranoid. You've got to be paranoid. How will you detect any type of threat that might be coming your way? You go and have a little looky, mm-hmm. you know, and you can do that with holiday makers taking snaps. They were doing that in the 1930s, German yeah. holiday makers. Oh, oh, you know, mm-hmm. they, they, you know, Mr. Mr. Hitler and his military geographic unit in Berlin. Oh, do send us yeah. your holiday snaps. You've got factories, you know, you've got industrial places, nice roadworks, yeah. you know, waterworks, utilities. Send them in, you know. So by that alone, if if we are not alone in this universe, and I, I, to be honest with you, I think yeah. we, we would be rather arrogant to think yeah. that we are oh, yeah. completely alone and we could be the only race of people that are intelligent enough to make an aircraft or, or spacecraft. At the most basic yeah. level, they come and have a look and maybe oh, yeah. they are actually quite sensitive enough to come and have a look and think we're going to freak those people out. If we let yeah. them know that we're, you know, we're firmly here, we're definitely, you know, maybe they've even communicated with some of the uh, intelligence forces or, or ordinary people that have been picked up by the so-called men in black. Who knows? Yeah. But, you know, and, the, you know, people are scared because they've been taught to be scared. 
if you think about it, until the 1970s, the majority of the books, the magazines, anything that you saw, if you saw UFO, it's described as the UFO menace. You know, it's the the man that came down with the the, the silver Uh spacecraft. He's a giant. He's got one eye. And if you get in his way, he's going to turn you to dust with a ray gun. You know, only close encounters mellowed it, followed up closely by E.T., where we actually learned to love what was quite a scary looking alien from a child's point of view. See, I think that's the government's worst nightmare is the public making a new friend out there, making a new there's a, there's like we've got a neighbor nearby world, we've got a neighbor, they're coming to look at us. And maybe they were thinking, My God, what are they doing themselves again? They're bombing each other here in World War Two. They're bombing each other and the same with World War One. And they, because there's been there's ranges in the forest with the military base and stuff like that, maybe they're curious and they're like, oh, oh they've developed nuclear weapons. That can't be allowed because they're either going to kill themselves or eventually they're going to start traveling. Let's face it, mm-hmm. humans are yeah. going to eventually start traveling. And maybe they're sitting thinking to themselves, they're going to they eventually, it might not be this hundred years, it might not be next hundred years, but they are going to start traveling. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to get a visitor. <laughs> and maybe they're getting worried. It's, all, it's always the fear. It's an old it's an old saying, it's the fear of the unknown. Arthur yeah. C. Clarke, God God bless him. You know the man that had the vision for two thousand and one a space odyssey, the novel, you know, the man that created the communicate in you know, he really had the vision for the communication satellite, the man that inspired many of us with, with that incredible series, Arthur C. Clarke's Mysterious World, when yeah. we were kids. And he said that, you know, if you see technology beyond your comprehension, it's magic or witchcraft. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And you, you, and for us, that we might we might still be that primitive people that we are. Oh, we're still primitive. Frightened of it yeah. because we don't understand it. Oh, yeah. Maybe I we think... have every reason to be frightened of it. We At this moment in time, this is all conjecture. We don't yeah. know. And I think, and I think mm-hmm. people deserve to know if yeah. if there is more knowledge, I think it's being drip fed to us with what with some of the releases yeah. that have happened. Because years ago, that stuff from the Pentagon that would have been squashed. Oh yeah, good God, I. You know, I think nowadays, now that everybody have they've got that ability to have a live feed. Which is something we we haven't had that capability yeah. in what is it twenty years really, twenty years we've had the to it to the degree it's become a saturation point that everybody's got it, uh, and and they are starting to record things. M- maybe yeah. people are at a stage where m- more things can be admitted. I I think we just have to be very careful of, of charlatans. Let's put it yeah. like that. Deception. Oh, yeah. uh, deception, both from official lines, because they want to calm it down, but also deception from those that claim they don't want to make any money out of it, but actually they, they just really want to get the hits yeah. on the Facebook. But also, we shouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater. But that's why you, you see that 
intelligence is, is a funny old game that often that works in their favor if you've got all these people coming out with the loony ideas oh yeah well it, we can oh, sneak yeah. a few things under the carpet oh yeah you just keep talking about that <laughs> and we'll keep sliding it under the carpet Mm -hmm. I mean, I, f I find it intriguing because you think about it, it's not been that many years ago where we're still using horse and carts to get about. Well, it's right. true. Yeah. It's true now. And we're using coal to run trains and stuff like that. I mean, yeah. it's what, eight years? Round about you, that? You can now get a man on a jetpack that can go up yeah. a mountainside to rescue you if you've had an accident. I know. Do you I, know? Can you imagine what that's got to be in 100 years from now? No yeah. sales incredible you know? incredible so yeah. yeah i think my money is certainly on i i if i was going to be honest i think we have had some contact yeah from another world i don't think it's crazy to say i think there has been contact in one one form or another uh in all these years and I, I, what form it's taken i don't some things, some things come down somewhere, whether it's Roswell. I mean, um, oh, yeah. uh -huh. Dorothy Kilgallen, uh, the American reporter, uh, during a visit to Great Britain, was told that, that we'd got something in World War II. Yeah. That was a, an alien spacecraft of sort that's being looked at. I think uh, there was even, there was even a, an alien spaceship crashed in the 1800s in the United States. I can't exactly remember where it was. Where was it? Oh, I, I, oh, I just, saw, I just saw something about this. Oh, no, what, about what, this. You're, what you're thinking Hamilton. of is the incident with the little green man. The, is that the, uh, one the one where it's... I think we call, it, call him an ET because I know that that's, what, that's the kind of word that we can use. An, an extraterrestrial figure mm -hmm. was found. It was killed in the accident. And yes. he was buried in the local cemetery. Oh, down yes. in Texas. And they dumped yeah. the UFO and they dumped the UFO meant to be down the well or something like that. And yeah. they filled in the well. Yeah. 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 And they and, even and had, there was a one the well point was in history, empty, there was a junk or filled in or something. There might still be some residual bits down there, but they will not allow the the ET to be exhumed. Interesting that. Why? There was at one point they had a tombstone for it, but now now that's hard to find. And they moved up so people couldn't find his grave. Yeah, somebody gonna yeah. be crazy enough to go try digging it up. That's all they oh, need. Yeah. Reason yeah. they need. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine if you dig that up? Don't do it, guys. Don't take that don't bit of warning if anybody watches that. But don't go digging up a graveyard. But can you imagine if you dug that up and it was an extraterrestrial? Well, if 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 it was dealt with properly. You know, with the proper authorities uh, yeah. and respectfully, yeah, yeah, because clearly the death of that extra, if it was an extraterrestrial, it's from a foreign, you know, from a uh, another dimension, another planet. Mm -hmm. It hasn't brought the rain of fire down upon us, yeah. so if we start parading it on sticks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. be respectful. <laughs> be respectful. Yeah. I'm just saying, man, if we, people are crazy. You know, yeah. don't go crazy. Uh, be respectful. Mm -hmm. Was it an alien, or, or, or was it a military experiment of some sort? Who knows? See, Who knows? I think well, the because let, let the little guy yeah. rest in peace, I, or, or girl. I don't that's know whether there was ever a gender uh, for the, the, the alien, the ET. Mm. See, that's the thing, though, because. 
you talk about that whistleblower with the Pentagon, he actually says that Roswell happened. And we go, and there was other crashes where we've, we've got the technology. And it yeah. makes you wonder, because your technology has just jumped so quickly. After after World War II, I mean, you obviously had the Enigma machine, which that was the first really computer and stuff like that. But 1950, I would say, the technology has just jumped extraordinarily. Well, uh -huh. It's been mooted, and I'm no technical expert, but fibre broadband seems to... Um not have a, a clear inventor <laughs> yeah. who know, who yeah. knows do you know i look at it this way i love history i love stories i love legends yes and maybe these are our legends for the future you know yes. and, oh, yeah. and we'll have some fun debunking them as we've been tra tracing yeah. chasing dragons and ghosts and strange for all these years, and as long as people don't get hurt and there isn't disrespect yeah. and desecration, then let and you know clearly there's not the rays coming down and the fifty foot spaceman uh, with the cyclops eye giving it a bit of that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Go easy. Well, it, I think governments should be more respectful of people. Yeah. Um. And and you know, tell the truth. Don't drip. Keep drip feeding it. it yeah. Just just I'll come out eventually. I think. I think so. I, I think oh, yeah. we, we just have to sh let them know that we know, or at least we're ready. The mind is, our minds are open. We're not going to flip. That's what we don't want. We're flip. We're ready. We're, we're mature enough as a civilization to say, okay, let, let I mean, it's, I'm, I'm, yeah. I've got an old-fashioned view of the world, you know. Who who knows it? If we're shown not to be the only creatures on this Ooh. universe, well, maybe that might just calm down some people that really do it, need to calm down in this world. It may, right? Wouldn't it that may. be? It's called perspective, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, yeah. it is. Yeah, and if you. <laughs> We've you know. got a lot of troubles in this world. We have got a lot of troubles in this world, and. I think if we don't do something soon about it, I think it's got to get worse. We well, really need to stop fighting each other. Strive for peace, my friends. That that's that's a. It sounds an old-fashioned concept, but believe me, uh, a few moons ago we saw a really different world when the Berlin Wall came down. We yes. saw a, a real, a real peace in. Mm -hmm. in, in for a little while, uh, there, there's always there's always trouble around the world somewhere, but there was a real hope for peace, and I just hope, and and, and you gotta hope, you, you gotta hope. Uh, it's I knew a lot of I knew a few World War One, I, I knew a lot of World War Two veterans, yeah. and it would break their hearts to see okay. young men and women coming back from war with their bodies and minds shattered by conflict. Uh, yeah. oh, so yeah. the one message I, I would leave everybody, because I, I must hit the road very soon, I'll hit the sack, yes. uh, is strive for peace. Exactly. Is that the most scary thing that's been said? The most bonkers thing on board? Bored and bonkers. Strive for peace. <laughs> yes. Uh, Do you know, it's possible. <laughs> Yeah. It's, it happens it's and you there. don't shoot at each other, you don't threaten each other. 
guess what? It's called peace. And that ultimately, that should be just about what everybody really wants. Just get on yeah. with your life. Exactly. Peace. Mm-hmm. Is, is it mm-hmm. really that difficult? <laughs> One day, hopefully, Neil, it'll happen. The yeah. good old naive well, English historian, but it is a dream, and it's a dream I've, that we should strive for. Yeah, I would like to say thank you very much for coming on the show, Neil, oh, yeah. and telling us about your new UFO book that's coming out next year. And I can't wait. I wish I'd have a time machine. It's <laughs> always a pleasure, gentlemen. <laughs> it, it it really is, and and thank you to all yeah. the the ladies and gentlemen for for listening in tonight and and watching the show and supporting us, and and. Just thank you all for such a warm, warm welcome. Thank you. Well, of course. You're cool. And I hope to see you again soon. And I'll say mm-hmm. for me to you, good night. Mm-hmm. And may your gods go with you. Yeah. I think there's no better way to end it. Exactly. Catch you later, dudes. Have a great week. Bye. Good night.